holding. James comes out of the pack. James on the drive, goes inside, stuck, shot blocked. It's over. It's over. Denver makes history. The Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. finish for the Lakers as the Denver Nuggets set atop the West here in 2023. They're the new kings of the West. Boy, 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 boy. My heart is still broke. But, and like that, I am back in full effect. Pod guy, money game podcast, the host with the most. And I can say it's been a rough few days, you know. Even playing that sound bite back, it still brings me in a very sad mood. But we're going to keep it pushing. And on this episode, my guest is, my very special guest is Toyin Howell. And we're going to do it a little different on this episode. So we're going to start off with my guest and when we chop it up. And after that, we're going to roll the rest of the episode out. I got some stuff I want to talk about. Very interesting. Obviously, the Lakers and slash LeBron. Lakers got swept out of here. The Lakers are still in the dustpan as we speak. Shaking my head. But also, LeBron hinted at retirement. Well, not hinted, but, you know, said he was contemplating. I want to talk about Lil Dirk. He's dropping an album Friday. I'm going to get my expectations for it. Speaking of LeBron... Let's talk about his son and why everybody are so shaken up by these prom pictures. So, without further ado, let's get into my guest, Miss Toyin Howell. Hope you enjoy. I am here with a very, very special guest. Tell the listeners who you are. Like you said, I'm a very special guest. My name is Toyin. Um, I'm from Goldsboro, so if you're listening, you're from the 919, from the world to the world. And I am a mental health advocate, very um, special and dear to my heart. 26 years old, and yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Definitely. Uh, would you like to plug your story? Yes, y'all can follow me on Instagram, is J underscore. And yeah, just follow me on Instagram. That's really all I be on like that for. Is that Toy and J underscore? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can say nothing about Twitter. I think Twitter is very important. <laughs> but you're not active like that, so Yeah, I don't be active on Twitter. That's why I didn't really say Twitter. Because I want to give people my Twitter and then yeah, I ain't gonna get nothing from me for real. So well, we know who's definitely active on Twitter. <laughs> All right. So, as you said off mic, I ain't really know this. Guess how you know I don't be, you know, keeping up with certain things. It's what, Mental Health Awareness Month? Yes, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So, you called yourself an advocate just now. So, what's your view on mental health in a nutshell? What is mental health is for me it is the way you take care of yourself 
Um, it is the way that you advocate for your needs and your wants, standing on what you believe in. That's mental health for me. But mental health can look different for each person. But in a nutshell, that's what mental health is. Okay, okay. So are there any, like, good or bad experiences you had with, you know, your mental health journey? Anything that you would like to share? I don't want to, you know, send you, you know, anything too traumatic. My journey, journey personally, um, I definitely seen some ups and downs. Um, I think that's also what helps is necessarily, not necessarily the ups, but also the downs. Um, We all learn from experiences. So a lot of my downs were um, I've experienced anxiety. I've experienced depression. I've experienced um, suicidal thoughts. Like anything you can think of, I've really experienced it all the way down to like family trauma and all. So, um. But it all shaped me into who I am today, and it just made my mental health that more that much more important to me. So let's talk about uh, depression. I feel like this. Uh, I think it's well, like it's definitely talked about a lot. But I feel like you know, there's a lot of cases that people don't know that they are suffering from depression. You know, it's a lot of, like I said, you know, you know, we always talk about like how I go about things and stuff like that, which. I feel, you know, it's a good way to go about things, but there's other ways, like, people can be depressed, like, overly, I was doing a bit of research, and I was reading that, you know, depression can come in, like, many forms. Yeah. People always think it's just, like, you know, a person is down, or, you know, like, in bed all day, or just, you know, that's what people usually, like, attach to that, but it's usually, like, a person that's um, overly aggressive all the time, you know, can be uh, depressed also. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, so depression looks different for everybody. And what I've learned, um, going based on experience and also what I, for me, depression, it did, I did, um, it was, came in waves. And so sometimes it was like laying in the bed all the time and stuff like that. But sometimes it was also putting on a front for people, like always smiling and always smiles laughing. and laughs and all that. Right? Yeah. And for me, honestly, like those are some of my like saddest moments inside. And but the people around me would never know. So I think sometimes like the happiest people in the room may be going through something and like um, but you'll never know. So depression can look different for some people. Like you said, back to the aggression, like for some people, it could be lashing out. Um, always arguing or always taking things, being overly sensitive, which is causing the anger. Um, so depression definitely can look different for everybody. It's not always, oh, I'm in the bed or, oh, I can't get up or, you know, looking like, oh, I'm crying all the time. That is depression as well, but, um, that's not how it always looks. So. Yeah, definitely. It's like, okay. Um, Have you been like, through depression before? Like, how did it look for you? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever been depressed. I just you feel like I've had my moments that was not, you know, that was not better, like, that wasn't, like, a down period for me. But I don't consider that depression. But um, what are some things you could tell us about, you know, um, well, what is your profession? Like, what are you doing? So right now I work with people who have sickle cell, but my uh, social work, I'm definitely in the social work field and I'm actually currently pursuing to get my master's in social work. So what made you choose um, 
social work? So at first I really wanted to be a nurse and I really thought, I just knew I wanted to help people. But then I learned like every profession in a certain way helps people. So how do I, how does that look for me? So um, I am, for a lot of people who don't know, I'm legally blind. So that I had a social worker and when I was going to the hospital and I had to stay overnight and I was going through these depressing moments and this big change in my life. Um, I needed somebody there for me and I didn't have anybody and I felt like people around me my family they'll say praying for you they say we're here for you but they really truly like nobody could understand how I felt and I was supposed to have a social worker to go to but she was more worried about you know what was going on like not necessarily worried about me and how I felt and so then at that moment I realized like I want to be able to help people in that type of way like if you're going through anything um traumatic small big anything I want to be able to help you pull that out and advocate for you and just give you the tools that you need and the resources that you need to get through it change it anything just let um I just want to be that for other people not only for people who's going through what I'm going through but anybody and um my age that I want to target is more so like 12 to 26 or that age period Cause I feel like that's when a lot of changes are happening in your life. And that's when a lot of people are more going through depression, anxiety, and they don't know how to, they don't know what to call it. They don't know what to name it and they don't know how to get through it. So that, you know, we're just taught or learned to just push it down and not deal with it, which it will come back up later in life. So I want to be able to help people get through that. And that's why I chose social work. You said when you had a social worker yourself. When you was a kid, or... yeah, um, I was so about you have a different 16. attachment to it. Yeah, I was about sixteen years old when I first was introduced to um, a social worker. Did I? Did I like so? Did that experience help you at that time? Did you feel like that? It did not, which probably you know motivated me to become one as well. Um, I did have one experience when I was younger where I had a social worker actually come into my home. And I think I remember her just saying one thing. She was like, if your room's not clean next time I come, I'm going to take you away from your family. And so I kind of always had a bad look on that type of social worker because, you know, it's like I don't want to take people away from their kids, but it's not from their home. But it's not always like that. It's different sides to social work. And the more that I'm, you know, getting into the field, I'm learning that. And so, um, yeah, so I had different experiences with social work in my life. And so that's why I chose social work. I just want to be a better social worker than what I've had, what I've experienced on my own. And I also want to help people deal with things that they don't know. One, they don't know how to identify it. And two, they don't know what to do with the emotions. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so moving on. Let's, what can you, I mean, obviously, you know, we, I don't know what to call our, you know, up and down relationship. <laughs> So, what can you say about knowing me as a person outside of this podcast and just as a human? What can you say about knowing me? Um, I've known you since what? When did we meet? You went to Saint Ogg. I don't remember the year, but I've known you for a while, a couple years now. And um, I can say that I'm not gonna say I've been there for everything that you went through, but I know a couple things that you have been through and what you have dealt with. And um, like you said, our relationship has been up and down. So with that being said, like, I haven't really been in your life consistently, but 
um I can say our friendship has always been there so from from back then to now I definitely noticed a change um I could say now you're more level-headed and um more calm and easier to talk to and you know I think now you're realizing that you're realizing a lot more about life and you're taking the things that you went through the experiences and you're turning into a positive thing and having a better outlook on life rather than a negative thing um I do even though you say you've never experienced depression I do think you have you just don't know you did not know how to identify it um and you know I don't know how that may have looked for you but um I definitely remember some conversations, some time, some things that we have experienced together that, you know, would have uh, pointed towards depression or, and you probably just didn't know what to do with those emotions. But now I think you have a better outlook on life. And I think now that, um, I think now you're in a better place. It's definitely always room for improvement, but compared to when I first met you, you're in a way better place. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> when you first met me. <laughs> yeah. When I first met you, you was yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was, I don't think yeah. you was in such a great space as you are now, which I don't think, you know, I probably wasn't either, which I know I wasn't. I'm in a way better space now, but you know, just talking about you, you're in a way better space now. Way better. And I think I remember a point where, like, me and you couldn't even have a phone conversation without you blowing up or getting mad or hanging up on me. So now, you know. <laughs> you blame that on me. That's funny. <laughs> anyways, now I'm able to, you know, a lot of our talks that we had recently have definitely showed me, like, the change in you or the person, you know, I think I think you're really on the road to becoming a better person. So I can't say that. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. So, this this next question it says a lot about a person. You feel me? So, you're an Apple Music user, right? No. Well, yes, I have Apple Music, but uh, don't judge. But I use Pandora more. Pandora, it. I think um, you know, with Apple Music, like I guess you kind of have to download the songs on your own and stuff, and so. Uh, when you play your playlist and stuff, like it might be a song that you listen to in 2012 or, and it's like my playlist be so up and down. So I just go to Pandora and whatever type of mood I'm in, like if I want to listen to my gospel, I type in, you know, my gospel and play my gospel music. If I want to listen to the R&B or if I'm getting ready with my girls, like mood I'm in, I can literally just go to Pandora, find it and it's, I'm good. But I'm familiar with Apple Music. I have listened before, but I kind of slowed down with it now. All right, so Pandora. So, what's your most played like station on Pandora? <laughs> My most played station is <laughs> Janae Eco. Oh my god! <laughs> For real, yes. Uh, Kalani, Drake. Okay, now we got some respectable in there. That's and good. then now with my, you know, I got the my gospel in there. Fred Hammond is top. Um, so yeah, those are my four that those are my go to station radios. Um Janae, that says a lot about you. What does that say about me? I mean, I don't know. 
every time I think about Janae, you know what I think about? What songs I think about? What? That triggered. You know, it's crazy. I actually don't really care for that song. Like, when it first came out, it was, like, the song. But, like, I'm not. If I hear Triggered, I'm probably uh, turning. I like, you know, her calm songs. Living Room Flows, one of my top songs. I really like that one. And it's crazy because just because you click Janae, like, you probably won't hear a lot of Janae's songs. Yeah, it just some of the artists, you know, of, some yeah, of the vibes. Yeah, it just give me that type of vibe, yeah. And normally, like, on a day where I'm chilling and I'm not doing too much or I'm cleaning up around the house or... I might just be laying in bed. Anything like that's kind of what I play. Um, Janae and Tamia, which Tamia is an older artist that a lot of people probably don't know about, but if you do, you know. And then um, Kalani too. Kalani is like that. I'm in a really good mood, but I still want you know that chill vibe. And you also, you know, you get all types with Kalani. Kalani is one of my favorites right now. I really want to see her in concert. And then um, Drake is my. Drake is where I go when you know I'm in one of a, a really good mood. About to go out with the girls or just getting dressed to go have a good day. It's nice outside. It's hot. Like, yeah, I play Drake, so that's my um, top three. Speaking of concerts and speaking of Drizzy Drake, you popping out? I want to. So that he dropped his um, tickets for Charlotte. So it definitely, it definitely hit the group chat. So I'm really excited. I hope we do make this move. Me, I'm trying to get sit in the front row. So like, if you sit in the front row, the seats are like a thousand or something. So I'm like telling my friends, like, yeah, let's do. It. Let's pay for this experience. But you know, I gotta get the rest trying of my to come up off that yeah, rack seats. exactly. I gotta get the rest of my friends on board. But you know, we'll see. I hope. My thing is, I'm just more of an experienced person. I want to do things for the experience. I don't really care so much about the money because I can make that back. But the experience, like, we're not going to be able to have these experiences so often. So let's go. Let's do it. Like, you know, but a lot of people around me don't look at life like that yet. But I'm try- I'm a child. I'm still working on that. Yeah, it's more about the experience, man. Some things you got, you just got to witness in life. You're, yeah, you know, and I think you know, tying that into, like, the mental health thing, I think, like, a lot of that came from my anxiety, because when I was struggling with anxiety, a lot of things with anxiety is fear, and, um, you know, overthinking, and all of that, so I was doing a lot of that, and a lot of that caused me to, you know, hold back in life, and not live life to the fullest, so when I was able to get a therapist, and I was able to talk through my anxiety, and, you know, I still have my moments, but I've I kind of learned how to put fear to the side. So now, like I can say a year ago, you would not see me at a concert. You would not see me in a big crowd. You wouldn't see me around a lot of people because that was one of the things that triggered my anxiety. And I wasn't able to be comfortable. I wasn't able to relax. Like I stopped going to parties. I And I started to live literally like in my room because it's like if I go out in the world, I ha- I'm now my anxiety is triggered. But now it's like... Thank God for therapy. Thank God for God. Just thank, just thank God, you know, because now I have a different outlook. Like one of the things about fear is you kind of have to just uh, put yourself in those, those places that you're fearful of. You have to, uh, uh, you know, conquer it, take it, just take it. Uh, so now I, I didn't used to travel. I never rode a plane. Now I'm doing all those things. I rode a plane. I'm traveling. I'm going to concerts. I'm putting myself out there more in those places that I used to be so scared of. And I'm not allowing the anxiety and the fear to take over. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great, I man. Know. I feel like that's um, great progress. A so, lot of good progress. A lot. Any closing remarks? Um, yeah, so, you know, I've talked about mental health. We talked about concerts and stuff. So tell me, I guess, what about you? I want to hear about how are you taking care of yourself this month? This is mental. I feel like a lot of men forget, you know, that they're important too. They matter too. I think a lot of men need, you know, everybody does, but men need a lot more loving on and taking care of. So for the men, can you speak for up for the men? Like, how do you take care of yourself? Honestly, you know, I just um, I just try to be rational about situations, you know. And... What it do, niggas and niggerettes? It's the one and only pod guy here. And tune in to my show, Money Gang Pod, on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 5 p.m. And if you're an A1 Day 1 fan and you want to be a subscriber... Let me know. I will put the unique link out there with the episode so you can choose which tier you want to subscribe to. Tier 1, Tier 2, or Tier 3. I suggest you get Tier 3 because you see all the hard work, the goofiness, and the whole different side of me while I'm putting this show together. So, y'all be safe out there and tune in to me Wednesdays and Saturdays. Much love and peace to everybody. Love you. How I deal with uh, mental health and how do you take care of yourself? I mean, like I said, um, you know, I just focus on the things that, you know, make me happy and all that stuff. Like whether it's hanging with friends or, you know, having a good laugh or, you know, just kicking it, you know, like I don't really like focus on like, uh, I try not to focus on a lot of negative things these days, whether it be with like, certain people or whatever the situation may be. I think that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest things that I can say, you know, since you know me. Like, I try not to get into all the negativity stuff these days and just focus on the things I need to be focused on and, you know, focus on the things that make me happy, such as, you know, podcasting and, you know, sports and, you know, like, with hip-hop and things like that. You know, I just focus on those things and, that's kind of what brings me joy, you know, what's always brought me joy. And now I just go, I'm more in sync with everything that, you know, don't get like a, like a negative rise out of me. That's how, that's how I would say, you know, I deal with it. That's good. Sound like you're putting, you're deciding to put yourself first and put more energy into the things that make you happy, which is really important. And I'm actually still working on that myself. Um, I'm actually trying to figure out what makes me happy. So that's really important. And I feel like if you keep doing that, you'll get there. Definitely, definitely. So, um, I guess that was somewhat of a clo- uh, closing remark. But it's something I want to say before we um, before we end this one out. Um, obviously, you know, you said like when we first met or around the first time we met, you know, it was the same platform that I was kind of, I would say, being immature. You know, I said a lot of things that, you know, on this platform about you or, you know, about a certain situation that, you know, I feel like, you know, it was very uncalled for. I know, you know, like, I apologize to you a bunch of times, you know, off mic and stuff, but I think it's only fair that I apologize to you on this platform as well with everybody listening, just to let you know that, you know, it's sincere 
And honestly, I'm not that person anymore. And I think about things a lot different. Well, thank you for that. You didn't have to do that. I know. But I feel like it was right. Okay, yeah. And I thank you for that. And I feel like, you know, with us, our uh, our friendship, it has went up and down, up and down. But I feel like we finally at a good place. You know, we talked about things. We were able to get through it. We forgave each other for the wrongdoings. And I feel like that had put us in a better place. So with that being said, um, thank you for having me on. You know, I never thought I would be here. Uh, <laughs> for real, because of where we were. So um, I guess this also goes to show that, you know, people can get through things. Communication is key. If you just talk to somebody, you know, set aside the emotions and really just figure it out. And I feel like that's what we did. So, and I think we both grew, like, you know, we needed that time apart to grow into the people we are today. And so I feel like that kind of helped us get to where we are. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. This was a good segment, even though we had a bit of technical difficulties here and there. (laughs) But we're going to keep going, though. I appreciate you for giving me some of your time today. And till next time. Thank you. Hopefully, you have me again. Oh, definitely. Okay. All right. So, um, LeBron. Obviously, you know, he contemplated and his, uh, he basically said in his, you know, post game press conference that. He didn't know how much, you know, well, he didn't say I know he didn't know how much he had in the tank, but he said, you know, he feels to, he still feels like he is better than 90 to 95% of the league right now. But he said he was contemplating if he was going to retire or not. Say, let's just say that is the case. I would say, you know, despite getting swept in the Western Conference Finals, despite, you know, um, having a bad foot injury, you know, that was, like, reoccurring throughout the playoffs, you know. Um, I can say, honestly, though, if this is the end, which I feel is not, um, he's had a definitely a very successful career, and successful is definitely an understatement, you know. Um, if I could just, you know, get some stuff off the top, like, you know, going to eight straight finals. And I know people going to try to chalk it up like, whoa, he didn't win eight straight finals. I mean, that's cool. You feel me? That stat is still very much remarkable, though, in the NBA, a league where some people go to the finals, lose, and never get back to go eight straight times, regardless of what the win-loss ratio is. You know, that's still a remarkable stat. And then this season passing Kareem on all-time scoring. I think that's, you know, cemented him if he wasn't cemented enough. But I just feel it's unfair to keep having these, you know, LeBron-Jordan conversations when they're just two different animals in my opinion. But whatever, you know, he's definitely he's definitely going to be one of those guys that when he's gone, you know, it's not going to feel like the league anymore. It's not going to feel like the NBA no more. And we had situations like that. Definitely with Kobe in his last game. Um, And you can put LeBron in there, too. For most of my life, he's definitely been in the league. And it's definitely going to – NBA is definitely going to miss LeBron. 
same way. So um, if he is done, you know, um, which I, I feel he's not, and I'll tell you why in just a little bit, I just felt like, um, you know, 40 points, like 31 at the half, 30-something at the half, and, you know, still couldn't get it done. Had like a 15, 17-point lead. Start the game off, started off hot. The most three-pointers we had shot in the game couldn't really hit nothing in the second half. And, you know, I could pretty much see what was coming. I thought we would keep that lead, you know, keep fighting, kind of like how Boston is now. But it just wasn't in the storybook for us. And, you know, it like I said, it definitely hurts, you know, especially when you look at the journey, like I said in the last episode, 133. Um... Looking at the journey, you know, from starting off 2-10 and 10 to, you know, trade deadline, definitely revamped our team to, you know, come to the play-in. You know, we was the 13th seed in the West, somehow got to the 7th seed, and, you know, got all the way to the Western Conference Finals, you know, and I'm still very much proud of the season the Lakers had. Um, I know Tinseltown right now probably still in shock, but... Oh no, it's a lot of different things going on. They're talking about this Kyrie and Trey Young talk, but we'll revisit that at a later date. I don't want to talk about all that right now. But it's definitely some pieces that I would say we need to keep. You know, Austin Reeves, Hachimura, Vanderbilt. You know, and I would keep Tristan Thompson also. He only played, he got the most minutes in this game or the last game, which was the elimination game. And he really gave me some good minutes. So. Hopefully, we could keep those pieces around and then see what we could do, you know, adding some more, like a point guard or something like that. D'Angelo Russell, on the other hand, he showed uh, he showed his upside on offense, but on defense, you know what you're pretty much going to get from him. And, you know, yeah, so that was that. But like I said, though, man, with the Lakers, man, hopefully we can, you know, make the right changes. I don't think LeBron is retiring just yet. You know, everybody keeps talking about, you know, he wanted to play with Bronny, but I don't even think like that's, I don't even think him saying that he's thinking about retirement is, you know, him really meaning it. I think he was just caught up in the emotion, you know, after, you know, a devastating loss that we could have won. And that's just where his mind was at that point. Um, We're going to talk about Bronny a little later, you know, but, um, yeah, I just feel like he was caught up in emotion. And, you know, it's a devastating loss. So, you know, if he putting up 40 and he still can't will us to a win, I think he much rather now would have that secondary score facilitator role on the team and not, you know, have, like, played damn near all the minutes like he did in Miami or Cleveland, you know, second time around. So, um Hopefully, you know, this ain't what it is. Hopefully, this ain't reality. You know, um, hopefully, this was just, you know, exactly what I said. But on the other, I feel like he said that to, you know, speaking to the Lakers front office, like, I put up 40, you know, and we still got eliminated. We got to put some better pieces around me. You know, we got to put a better, you know, foundation in this Lakers uh, locker room. So, that's pretty much what I think he was doing, you know, sending a cryptic message to the Lakers front office. And, you know, 
in recent years, he hasn't, everybody like to troll and say, you know, Lil GM, like, you know, he gets talent out of there and stuff like that. But I feel like this was that eye-opening experience for him to let him know, like, yo, this, this is, you know, like, we got to do something about this. We can't go out like this no more. So that's how I feel about the whole contemplating retirement. That's just what I feel 100%. I could be wrong, so, you know, don't quote me on that. You know, I'm not one of these guys with the NBA insiders and sources or, you know, interviewing motherfuckers backstage in a locker room and shit. So, you know, that's just how I feel. And, you know, hopefully the Lakers can bounce back, you know, put some better pieces around. And not to say, like, I don't feel like we just need a couple pieces, a couple more solid pieces. I like what I've seen from Reeves, like I said. Um, Hachimura, Vanderbilt, he didn't really get no minutes after game two, I don't think. But I think it was just, you know, that small ball. We couldn't really get it done. He played, you know, um, he really, you know, like, he really showed up against Golden State. But, like, Golden State is a smaller team. So, a team when you go out against a, a juggernaut like a Joker. So, that was our obvious, um, our obvious, you know, transition we had to make and, you know, switch the lineups and, you know, let certain people start just to, you know, see what kind of team we had at that point, you know, if we could switch it up and, you know, see if that worked. And like I said, we was unsuccessful, but, you know, it's going to be a long off season before you know it. It's going to be October again. And, you know, I'm glad to see, uh, hopefully we'll be glad to see, you know, some new pickups and new trades or, you know, new acquisitions that we got over the summer. So, yeah, LeBron and the Lakers, hopefully he can win a fifth championship, but I wouldn't say that that's guaranteed. And I hope he does. And I hope, you know, that'll be his thing, you know, the way he uh, rides out. But it's a lot of speculation going on. Definitely a lot of speculation going on about a retirement tour and things like that. But, you know, I think we'll just cross that uh, we'll just cross that bridge when we get there. And, you know, like I said, you know, he's definitely one of the greatest NBA players of all time. You know, top three, if you ask me. So this retirement tour should be a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of emotion will be definitely involved in it once it does come to that point so let's talk about a little dirt man i watch academic stream and um when he was you know breaking down the little dirt interview i think this is little dirt best interview ever so let's talk about almost healed and my expectations for little dirt new album which i feel should be a classic so, let's speak on it. So, a little dirt. I would like cause I consider myself a core fan of Little Dirt. I've been listening to him, not as much as you know a core fan as Chicago, cause you know they were listening to him for like a few more years before I was. So, since 2012, so I have like a decade, you know, of his discography, for, you know, from mixtapes to projects to albums. You know, it's a mixture of all those in his you know decade long discography. So, I would say, you know, watching him evolve over time is, you know, it's been good from a fan aspect. And, you know, somebody I'm really proud of that I've never really met because, you know, just coming from them circumstances of, you know, Chicago, 
you know, where death is literally around him in every way. And it kind of followed him into the industry or before he was trying to get into the industry, you know, with his cousin Nooski getting shot while he was in the mall and he was in the car. His manager Chino getting shot, you know, while they was trying to kill him and he was in the car also. His brother D thing, he just got killed a couple years ago. You know, everybody know King Von got killed a couple years ago. So it's just like seeing that, you know, all the tragedy that he has taken over the years and him still, you know, getting better with each release that he's put out. Obviously, the Def Jam deal, you know, um, he got out of that. And since 2018, he's been an independent artist for the most part. But um, I think he was like Alamo or something like some shit like that. And um, so um, almost healed. I had to look at the track list and. Off just looking at the track list, there's, you know, it's what, 21 songs. And ironically, he has 21 Savage on this album. But just going looking at the names of this, you know, everybody already heard All My Life featuring J. Cole, which, you know, I felt was a great song. But um, just I, I want to hear, like, Never Imagine with Future, War About It featuring 21. Grandstein featuring Kodak, Moment of Truth, at this point we stuck, you know, but I don't know if I'm going to like all these songs, but just off, you know, the track list, looking at the track list, I think I would like those songs, you know, just off the title, just going off the title, but I could be very wrong, I could like this whole thing, but, um, I already touched on this whole young boy thing lightly on last episode, but I'm not going to try to, you know, follow that up with this, you know, we just talking about Dirk and his release and, you know, my expectations and my expectations with Dirk now, I think he definitely knows how, you know, make a, I would say a cohesive album, I would say, um, something with a lot of replay value. I'm still playing his album from last year, 7220. Um, I was listening to it. I've been listening to it heavy a lot lately. Um, you know, just getting just gearing up for this release, and I feel this should be a classic. And when I say classic, I'm not talking about like a traditional classic, I'm talking about like you know, a dirt classic. And when I say that, you know, definitely it's gonna have its introspective songs, introspective lyrics. Um, definitely gonna have a you know, a couple female songs in there, you know, you know, that's his lane, also. But it's definitely going to tap into what his core fans want to hear also as far as the street-related content, you know, and, like, you know, some drill bars. Not necessarily drill beats, but, you know, those different, you know, like drill sounds, you know, those type of bars is what I expect from him at this point. But I expect to also see some growth, you know, and with all my life, that and, you know, the subject matter of that song I expect him to kind of expand upon that, you know, recently he met with, you know, Chicago governor, you know, trying to make change and even got um, FBG Duck Mom, you know, speaking on, you know, the, the evolution of him or how he's trying to change Chicago and make it, you know, different, trying to make change within the city that, you know, that he came up out of. So I expect to see all those things. And when the album is done, I feel like this would be a classic from Dirk. As far as sales, which sales don't really determine a classic, I definitely expect this to be over 100K. 
probably like 150k something like that 150 165k that's what i'm predicting for the you know first week and it's not like everybody expected you know industry features i mean 21 kodak you got this morgan wallen dude which you know i think he does country music or some shit like that and that was a, like an eyebrow raiser looking at the track list but they got this couple of OTF guys in there, Chief Whoop. Um, so I expect this to be a, definitely a great release from Dirt. I expect, you know, to be bumping this all summer and probably up until his next album release. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what my expectations for uh, Almost Hill from Lil Dirt. I think the, you know, the album cover itself is dope. I think everybody has seen it at this point. And, yeah, I'm just kind of hyped. I'm definitely kind of hyped. This is one of my favorite artists, you know. Um, notice I ain't say drill rappers, you know, but even though he's from that, you know, legendary four-headed monster of Chicago drill. And I feel like this would be a great release. You know, it's a lot of negativity surrounding it. You got niggas talking about stop the violence, but then they want to get violent, you know, to sell albums. And, you know, he was just kind of, you know, like playing the background on it and kind of trolling, you know, the why be better fans and all the comments and go slide for Vaughn. Why you ain't slide for Vaughn yet? And all the bullshit surrounding that. He kind of just played the background and, you know, trolled everybody in his own way. But I think now that it's his time, um... What it do, niggas and niggerettes? It's the one and only pod guy here. And tune into my show, Money Gang Pod, on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 5 p.m. And if you're an A1 Day One fan and you want to be a subscriber, let me know. I will put the unique link out there with the episode so you can choose which tier you want to subscribe to. Tier 1, Tier 2, or Tier 3. I suggest you get Tier 3 because you see all the hard work the goofiness and a whole different side of me while I'm putting this show together. So y'all be safe out there and tune in to me Wednesdays and Saturdays. Much love and peace to everybody. Love you. If young boy like wanna for real truly drop on Dirk's day to try to troll him or some shit, then he just want he just won't like he won't definitely sell more if you look at my projections which will be kind of accurate it's going to be over a hundred thousand in the first week it will just make himself look bad if you do like 50 or 60k like it'll just look bad but you understand these yb these young these yb fans are you know they're dumb you know so they're just dumb. Like, they listen to music on YouTube. That's why you got the most streams on YouTube. And they got Androids with crack screens and shit like that. So, that's pretty much where you, um, pretty much what you're going to get from YB fans, you know, trolling Durkin, you know, with this whole never healing, trying to play off his album name and all that shit. If he dropped the same day as him, it's just going to make him look worse than he already looks because the last album was a flop. The last few albums he dropped are flops. Like, the last five, he got, what, th two or three songs with Nicki Minaj that flopped in one debut at number 99 on Billboard. And that's a huge flop for an artist that has this much influence over the young kids and considered the YouTube GOAT. But that's a whole nother conversation for 
a whole nother day or a podcast episode, better yet. So let's move on to the last topic of this episode 134, LeBron James Jr. Now, last year, LeBron James Jr., I don't know if this is his girlfriend or what, maybe his girlfriend. It just happened to be a Caucasian girl, which I don't really see what's the big deal. And you know how it is, though, with a black success. We have a, a black successful dad who married a black woman who's loved by the masses, you know, Savannah James. And you have a son, you know, who's following, kind of following in your footsteps in the right way as far as entertainment, such as basketball. And it's his senior prom. And he took the same girl, which happened to be a Caucasian girl, which you know the comments, you know, looking at, looking at the Shade Room post. If Shade Room posted, I didn't see it this time around because I don't fuck with Shade Room or, you know, shit like that. But um, if I go look at the Shade Room and they posted a picture of him, because last year, you know, they was clowning how his sister Zori was looking like, oh, them white girls better not fuck with them white girls and whatever. But it just, you know, a lot of flat came with it. Me personally, I don't see a problem with with Bronny doing that at all. But um, you know, everybody got their own opinion of who they think uh, a child star should date. But let me just add some context for you, all you silly people out there. Sierra Canyon High School, which is the school Bronny attends, has a ten percent African American population out of nine hundred and forty one students. Ten percent. Let that sink in. So the probability of him dating someone that's not black is super high just based off the proximity. There are only 94 total students in that school that are black. I don't understand why he's receiving so much flack. Obviously, you know, that's um, that I think in Calabasas High or, you know, the ones that it's going to be a lot of white students. You got to look at where you at. I mean, it's going to be rich, wealthy the kids of rich, wealthy, famous people who are predominantly white. So I, me, myself, I don't see a problem with this at all. Um, but, you know, people need something to talk about. People need something to comment on, definitely. And if you look at the shade room, I bet you it's like a thousand some comments of people saying, oh, well, here you go with that white girl again. And you could pretty much. You can pretty much guess the stuff they're saying. Oh, the snow bunny. If it ain't snowing, he ain't going. Or he's in love with that milk. And a bunch of outdated jokes like that. When he, he's very much still a kid. You know, obviously, you know, he committed to um, USC. And I feel it's not a problem. Obviously, you know, considering the standards that he are in, like he's in like a great neighborhood in Los Angeles, you know, so that pretty much comes with the territory, I would say, not dating a white girl, but the chances of him dating a white girl would be very high. Like, But like I said, there's not really much of a problem to me. The problem to me, it would be if, you know, what he's doing within the lines and the lines being the basketball court and he looks like a very promising player you know both of his sons do and I see no problem with you know him taking that young girl to you know the prom but you know everybody doesn't have a brain like me or could think at a high level as me so there you have it like I said um 
I think that needs to stop, though, unless we're talking about basketball or something that he did. I mean, obviously, you know, some shit like he did smoking weed um, in the bubble where his pops was in the bubble, ironically playing against the Nuggets. But um, like I said, if it's not something like that off, off the court issue, you feel me? That's not an issue, him dating that girl um, or unless it's like I said, something that he did on the court. I feel like that should stir up more conversation, but him taking that girl to the um, to the prom it shouldn't shouldn't stir up this, all this confusion. Like I said, he's still a kid, and you know he's still someone's child, and you know his parents and him also have feelings too. And it's a lot of you know it's a lot of you know stuff that's said about him that shouldn't be said, you know. And I just feel. Um, it shouldn't be said. I mean, he, he didn't do nothing to y'all, you know, and he don't respond to comments as a smart man would when you're, you know, the, the son of a billionaire and obviously one of the greatest players in NBA history. I wouldn't really care what nobody was saying either. I mean, obviously, you know, he has a different path. He has a different life than a, a, the majority of the world. You know, he grew up as LeBron James' son. He has his name, you feel me? So with that, comes expectations and oh you should do it like this and you should do it like that and whatever and i mean sometimes that's just not the case you gotta look at the where he is and you know the environment that he's in and the environment that you have so if you went to a predominantly black school in high school or hbcu or something like that then those are you know I mean, those are just, just the options that you are given. You feel me? He wasn't given those, you know, that those options. He was born into, like, you know, a millionaire family at that point. So it is what it is. Yeah, think about it. Like, he's not living in a rural area, you know, or urban or whatever, um, like his pops. So that's not going to be what you get. But, you know, people don't care. People don't really give a damn about that. All they see is a white girl on his arm and, you know, a bunch of, you know, bullshit ass comments are being made, which I feel is not fair. You got to step outside yourself sometimes, you know, and just look at the situation. And I wouldn't think that he would, like, looking at the stats I just gave you about Sierra Canyon High School, that's pretty much, like, what you're going to get, you know, so... I don't understand, you know, like I said, he's a kid. You should really refrain from a lot of hurtful comments and stuff like that because you never know. Obviously, he's social media friendly and has been for the last couple of years. So I know that he's seeing this things, seeing these things, and it may make him feel a type of way. And he already has pressure on him, you know, being LeBron James' son, pursuing basketball also. And just dealing with the lifestyle that comes with that. He shouldn't be, you know, crucified for, I wouldn't even say dating preferences. It's just um, who he's dating at the moment, you know. So we should take some time and just think about that and just look at it from a logical standpoint, to be honest. But whatever. This is the end of episode 134. Once again, I thank my guest, Toy and Howell, for chopping it up with me. Um, next episode, 135, is already cooking up. I got something special I wanted to do. 
But until next time, everybody, you know, be cool the way you be cool and just enjoy it. Enjoy life, man. I'm out.